Hey everybody, it's Sarah, the host of Student Talk, and today we have our guest star. Hi, I'm Vic. You're a graduated senior now, so what are your, like, future plans beyond, like, after graduating from high school? Uh, well, I'm already enrolled in college, and I'm getting my associate's degree in engineering before I transfer to another school to get at least my bachelor's, if not my master's, in biomedical engineering. So at some point, I will be doing prosthetics in the future, hopefully. Pretty cool. Okay. So what, um, what inspired you to, like, want to do prosthetics in the future? Well, I've always had this weird affinity and passion for human anatomy. I mean, even to the point where I've had a skeleton in my car and my work, my coworkers were not expecting it. Like, just like the way that humans work, it's one of those things that we will never fully understand. And I just like understanding what I can about it. Because, you know, as a human, I want to know why I'm so gross and all of that stuff. And so... So I've always had a very mechanical mind, I think, in numbers, O's and 1's and X's and Y's and all that stuff. I'm not good at English at all, so I decided to basically keep forward on my app. And I've always been building things with my hands, and I like that kind of stuff. So I decided to combine all three of my passions with, you know, human anatomy, math, and being a mechanic, basically, uh, to do prosthetics. So... That's pretty cool. How'd you know you wanted to be transgender? Uh, it's never something like, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. It's it's not, like, anybody's fault for thinking that. Like, it really is just a cultural thing that people are brought up with, and I don't blame them for it. I don't give them any negative Nancy stuff about it. But uh, it's never been a want. It's always been a need or something that you've known inside. So from basically consciousness, I knew that I was a guy, but nobody around me could see it, not even my mom. And uh, growing up with a single parent, it's hard to only have one person and they don't get it. And so that part about it was hard, but I also kind of grew up with a very laid back attitude. Uh, I've had a lot of anger issues, but overall that hasn't stopped me from doing anything. It hasn't inhibited me. You just have to be able to know how to take a breath and sit back and explain things to people so it's not something that you can ever really like just have you have to be able to know what to do and how to do it and so just being a lot chiller is much better because when you get all up in arms and you start getting aggressive with people uh, as many people have learned that is not the right way to deal with the situation so Growing up, I've always known that I was a guy, basically. Since I've known that, basically, I haven't been able to explain it in any words or expressions because I'm really not an English guy. I have large vocabulary, but that doesn't mean I'm good at it, at using any of it. So uh, until I found the word, I didn't have a, like a reason to know that this was normal basically. And I grew up in a very Christian community. I went to a Christian school for nine years. And so it, it was something that like, even though I felt it, everyone around me just kind of pushed it off and like ignored it. It was like, oh, they're just a tomboy. And it's never been that I'm a tomboy. And I've always done stuff tomboyish, but it's always been because I was a guy and they just didn't see that. So 
when I left that school and I came to a different place, I basically started my life over. So it's something that you never want. Uh, humiliation, shame, things like that, especially in a Christian community, is not something kids ask for. And, it, and it's nobody's fault for using the wrong words. It's really not. It's the vocabulary we've been grown up on, what we've been used to. You know, things in the community are looked on very negatively in a lot of people's society, and so they just don't want to learn the new words. And so someone like me, I just stopped getting angry about it. You have to stop getting angry about it. At some point, you just have to know that that's something people do. And so you just got to chill. So when I finally found the word transgender, everything clicked and kind of connected. And I realized that that's kind of just what I've been living my whole life, but no one could see it. And so, you know, the whole coming out fiasco was a big, you know, angry, crying, yelling, but it all ended in love. And I found a good community through coming out. And so it took me about a year before I could socially come out uh, to my school and my friends and all of that because I was in such a Christian environment that my parent was very scared if I came out at school what was going to happen and we had a church on every street corner if not three of them you know in a tent so our city was basically 10 miles or 10 minutes from one end to the other with normal traffic and there were probably about 60 to 80 churches in that city. And so that's a real statistic. You can look it up, man. Like, for real. We had a lot of churches. So we had uh, one place where all of the teenagers who were different could go to. And that was the back of the skating rink. <laughs> so we would go there and we'd just chill out and be, you know, gay. So... Um, Coming out there was very hard, but I moved to a different city a year after coming out to my parents, and I completely socially transitioned over the summer before I even knew anybody, and then when I went to school, no one actually cared. They were all chill with it. Of course, there's douchey guys who, you know, want to turn the lights out in the bathroom, but I don't care about that, you know? Yeah, people used to bang on my uh, stall door while I was trying to take a piss, and they would, you know, shout things at me, but it was never anything that got to me. You know, uh, getting your stall door banged on is scary. I know that that guy wasn't doing it because he saw me go into the bathroom. He would have done it to any freshman, you know, and I wasn't even a freshman. He just saw some kid was in the stall and banged on it, and he did it, like, every day. Because we just so happened to do it every fucking day. And then at some point, our school told me that I couldn't use the men's bathroom anymore for legal issues. And so I had to start using the one gender affirming bathroom in the entire school. Uh, so at some, it gets rough, but it's never been bad for me. I've never been stabbed. I've never been on the streets being yelled at. I've never been any form of in peril. I've never been in danger in any of my communities where I've been. I've always felt safe with who I was. So for me growing up, it's been tough, but not rough, you know?
uh, it's just something that happens when you're not normal. If I had come out in such a community, there would have been a lot more negative things to happen to me than being in a city with a real community in it. I mean, gay was unheard of. Uh, nobody was gay. And if they were, they weren't living in the city, you know. Um, so it's one of those things that it's already hard being a little bit different. And then it's even harder being even more different and wanting to do this and that. And there's no resources for you. There's nobody you can talk to about it. So you kind of get into a dark hole with that. So you either just don't come out and wait till you can leave or you come out and live in danger. So. So are you atheist now or are you a Christian that believes in a God that uh, accepts the people from the LGBT community? I am what you call an agnostic, which means that I believe that somebody out there created this world. There's too much complexities and too much things that happen that, you know, we couldn't have just come from stardust. You know, who made that stardust? Who made those chemicals? Something had to do that, in my opinion. But I also believe in something uh, I call the watchmaker theory, which is basically the creator in the sky, whoever the fuck that is basically, uh, made this world, made everything in it, made the universe, made the aliens, I believe in aliens, I believe in ghosts, I believe in spirits, I believe in all of that stuff, whether I believe in Jehovah God or not, I believe in all of that, uh, but I believe that he just made it, and kind of has just let it happen, uh, because I do believe in the order of things, uh, evolution is a thing that did happen, but, it's not like, you know, oh, the Big Bang happened and now we come from birds. Like, that That didn't happen. I believe that there is something out there, but I don't know what it is. And at this point in my life, I don't care. It's one of those things where no matter what you believe, you will always live in the unknown. So embrace the unknown that you have and believe what you want. So my theory on death in general relating to religious context is I believe that whatever you believe is going to happen will happen. So if you're a Christian and you believe in the heaven and hell, then you will go to either heaven or hell. If you're an atheist and you believe that once you die, it's lights out and that's it, then that's what's going to happen to you. And so stuff like that, if you believe in reincarnation, you're going to get reincarnated. And so I believe that whatever you believe is what's going to happen. So that's kind of how I keep religion out of things is so that no one can bring it up and use it against me because I'm okay with whatever you're okay with. So, so it's good. Like you're not like very like spiteful. No. Or, like, you're not, like, an atheist of what, like, could have happened to you if you came out and you're very strict, very conservative Christian community. So, it's, like, it's amazing. Like, even though you did not, like, have to deal with, like, like, anything physically happening to you, how did you, like, handle being, like, called like names or people like banging on your bathroom door and not letting you use the bathroom in peace 
and you having to like use your own bathroom because you're transgender. So basically how I see it is it's somebody projecting their insecurities onto me. Uh, I'm such, uh, I don't mean to be, you know, self-inflating, but I am a very confident person. I am okay with who I am. I don't think about that much negativity on me. You know, I grew up a pretty boy. I just am. And so every guy who looks at me and wants to say something bad about me, it's not me. It's them. And it's their insecurities that they don't know how to cope with and they don't know how to handle somebody being me and so they want to project that in some form or fashion of way and most of the time it is with violence or anger or outburst and so how i see it is just that it's not it's not me who's going through this it's them that's going through something and they're projecting it onto me and so you just take a step back and let them take a breath because i'm not hurt by what they said because it's never about me. It is always about them. And so you have to let them process what they're going through. Right. How did you like grow to be so cool? Because you said that, you know, you had anger issues and then over time you became like more chill. So how did you become like so much more mature? Uh, I still have anger issues to this day. I mean, you know, yesterday I got really mad about a lot of college stuff, but a lot of the times what I have to do is when I get mad, I know that I'm angry and I know what's happening in me and I have to let myself get angry. I have to let myself explode and make everything messy, but I also know that when I take this breath, I'm going to have to clean up my own messes. And so while you're angry, you can't let your messes go on to anyone else. You can wreck your room, you can yell at the wall, you can do all of this stuff, but do not hurt somebody else in this process. It is not them, it is me that's going through this. So even when I get angry, I have to just realize that it's a me thing and that I don't want, I do not want to hurt anybody in the process of being angry. So it is not so much that I've grown to become chill. It is that I have learned how to process my anger and how to deal with my anger in a mature way and not in a very kid-like way. I remember one time you had to like go to the um, bathroom. You said you had to go to like the library to use the bathroom. So like, how's it like to like use your own bathroom? Like, how do you feel that you have to have your own like, you, you have your own designated bathroom. It was an inconvenience, but it was an inconvenience at best. Because since I only had one bathroom, if somebody was in it, I had to wait on them. But most of the time, since I finally knew what the rule was, I could tell people under me what the rule was. I could tell all the freshman trans kids, non-binary kids. I could tell the sophomores, the juniors. I could tell everybody else, like, hey, this person in the library is super cool. They're okay with everybody being out. They're, like, just an amazing person in general. And you shouldn't be scared to use the bathroom. It is not something that people should be scared of. And so... When I would go to the library, 
even though it was an inconvenience and it was my only bathroom, the people that were in the library were very open and very accepting. So they made it a very easy thing to do. So yeah, it wasn't the best situation they could come up with, but legally it was the best situation they could come up with. And you just have to understand that stuff. And you have to understand that it's not the people trying to be hurtful. It is people trying to avoid a lawsuit. And I understand that. And I understand how much mess and money that can be. And people have complained that I've been in the bathroom with them. People don't like that I'm in the bathroom with them. I mean, I used to go into the bathroom when I had my beard in sophomore and junior year. And I'd come out and someone would go, have you seen the bearded woman in the bathroom? Yeah, so wow. uh, I stopped using the women's bathroom that year and started using the men's bathroom, and every guy in there was cool with it. They might take a second look and be like, why are you here? But I'd just look at them, and I'd go, I'm just trying to take a piss, man. And they'd go, cool. So most of the guys, unless they, you know, don't like trans people, were just fine with it. But it was, like, the two people that complained that made the entire difference. But it always is. So, using the library bathroom was something that they came up with that would avoid all of that. And it was a minor inconvenience, but they also gave me the faculty bathrooms, which they had one on every floor. But to me, I know that the faculty and staff have their own places. And they've earned those places. It is not my understanding to come into their zone and use their stuff and act like it's okay. So I had permission to use it, and the teachers knew that. But I wasn't going to encroach upon what they earned. Uh, so I would just hike up my skirt <laughs> and use the you know first floor bathroom in the library. Cool. Okay. So how did you find your fashion sense? Because I remember like you used to like wear all black and have your hair like shaved on the one side and then like, you know, hair on the other side. And then now you're like wearing more floral patterns and you have like you color your hair now in different colors. It's really nice to like see you change over the time. So like, how'd you find your fashion sense? I was a very emo kid. I had, you know, the scene hair, even though my hair was too thick for it, so it looked like it was an astronaut helmet, and I had a little bit of blue streaks and stuff like that, and so I learned to use black and white as a very basic pattern for uh, fashion, and then as I started following more people on Instagram, I saw more people doing really cool things, and since coming out, I've grown much more confident in myself and who I am, and I just stopped caring what people thought about how I looked. And so at some point, I just started getting new colors. I started getting more patterns. I started wanting to explore fashion and not just having to wear jeans. I wanted to wake up and figure out what I wanted to wear that day because it's what I wanted to wear, not because it's the only pair of pants I had but because I had an, arrange, uh, an array of pants that I can now look at and wear in my full confidence in who I was. And so I started just 
picking things slowly and surely, going through thrift stores, going to the Walmart, going stuff like that. And if I just saw something I liked, saw something I thought looked cool, uh, maybe I saw it on someone on Instagram and I was like, oh, that they look great in that. Why can't I? And so at some point, you just get to the stage where it goes, well, if somebody else can wear it, why can't I? And so you just develop your own sense of fashion and your own sense of how you look and wear and all that stuff. And everyone develops into that. It's just how they develop into it. What was the LGBTQ plus community like at your school? Our school that we went to is starting to uh, very much expand their LGBTQ community, uh, whether intentionally or not. They are. We already have a GSA set up, but it's not uh, signed with GSA. So instead, it is the Gender and Sexuality Affirmation Club instead of the Gay Straight Alliance. So we are doing a lot and really trying to help the community already in our school. I think in our school, we have done everything that we can. Uh, because even having GSA meetings in the past has stretched limits, it has stretched lines, because people don't support it, people don't think it's cool, people don't like that, you know, we're just getting together because we want to meet new people and we want to just talk, but that's what every other club is doing, why can't we? You know, ours is just focused around LGBTQ topics, and yours is around whatever topic you're doing in your club. So we've done, and the school already allows us to celebrate Trans Remembrance Day, and they allow us to do things in our club that, you know, we wouldn't have been able to do five years ago. And so uh, the school really is supportive, but a school can only be supportive to its limits. So our club is not allowed to go out as a club, uh, but we are allowed to just meet somewhere and figure each other out, you know, but we can't say like, oh, the club is going to go to, you know, Pride. We're not allowed to do that because we represent the school. And so, you know, if something happens, something messes up, then it is on the school at that point and they cannot take that accountability. And so a lot of the LGBTQ events are not exactly targeted towards kids. And because of that, uh, we are not allowed to go out and do things. We can set up picnics. We've done a poetry slam before. We do little things like that. We fold butterflies for the Trans Remembrance Day and we hang it on the windows and we leave it up for the week. And so we still do things that we find important and that we find very heartwarming to us as a community. And so we do what we can and what we are allowed to, but we do not push boundaries because if you start pushing boundaries, then those boundaries will push back. And so we just do what we can and we don't stretch it, basically. Right. Cool. So, um, when did you come up with your name, Vic, or Victor? Uh, I basically 
came up with it because I don't like normal names. I don't like, you know, Daniel. I don't like Michael. I don't like stuff like that. None of those fit me. I'm too weird for that. I have too big of a personality to be named Damien. You know, I'm I'm not a Noah type. So uh, my whole life, I've always liked the name Victor and Vincent. And uh, when I came up with my name, I decided that Vincent was too fancy. Vincent does not fit who I am. I do not wear a suit all the time. I will if I like it, but I don't wear a seat that often. And to me, a Vincent is um, a very cursive almost name because I see words with specific colors and specific fonts. And so Vincent to me was just not something in my personality type. So I went with the other name, Victor. And to make it a little bit off, in America at least, I made it with a K instead of a C, and so it could match who I was. It was a little bit funky, it was a little bit weird. My mom decided that she wanted me to shorten it when we moved so that it wouldn't be so obvious that my name was Victor, and that, you know, my voice is still high, I still don't have top surgery, I just started testosterone a little over a week ago, so I looked very feminine when I came in to school as a sophomore. And so my mom uh, was still scared because me and my sister had never been in a public school before. And we were both on some form of LGBT. Uh, So she was very scared that if I said that my name is Victor, then people would look at me weird, people would say something to me, people would, God knows what, you know, people come up with a lot of things to harm people, and she didn't want that for me, so she was said, basically, you can use your name, Victor, but when you're in school, you have to shorten it to Vic, and that was a lot of release on me, because before, it was, you can't use that name, you have to use your legal name, because this is school, you know, stuff like that. But I told her specifically that I wanted to show socially transition. Nobody knows me here. Nobody will care about my birth name. So we decided mutually that I would go by Vic, but my full name is Victor with a K. <laughs> so. So do you prefer people to call you Vic or Victor? Uh, At school, I was getting people to call me Vic. At work, people call me Vic. But overall, in college, I'm starting to slowly get people to call me Victor so that it's a little bit more obvious and so that people will be using the uniqueness of my name that I made, uh, not just a shortened version of happenstance, basically. So now that I'm independent and, you know, I pay my own bills, I buy my own food, then I get to choose what people call me. Uh, Some of my friends just go in between Vic and Victor and they think it's fun. (laughs) And I think it's great because I love all my friends to a real degree. Um, My heart won't let me just sort of half-ass love people. So... Uh, it's one of those things that, you know, they call me Victor, they call me Vic, and I just don't. 
Do you still talk to people even if you can sense that they may be transphobic? Their political beliefs, that is usually something to steer clear of. If somebody Mm -hmm. is super, super Christian, that is also something to steer clear of. But you can't just identify everyone like that. Not every conservative person, not every Christian, not any one group as a whole is phobic or not phobic. So if I see somebody and I think that maybe I want to hang out with them, maybe I want to talk to them, I don't care who they are. I don't care how they look. If I want to go talk to them, I will walk right up and start talking to them. Uh, It's one of those things that I've learned in life that you can't go anywhere without stepping up. And so when you're somebody who's a little bit different, then you have to establish a connection with somebody before they start realizing that it's really not a big deal. So you just walk up and you start talking to somebody and, you know, they start being friendly. You give them your name and they're like, oh, oh, well, I wasn't expecting, you know, you to be, you to have a guy name. That's, that's kind of weird. Oh yeah, well, I'm trans. So, you know, I'm a guy, but I wasn't born a guy. And so now I'm a guy. It's all cool. And you know, they'll have one of two reactions. But for the most part, if you're standing right in front of somebody explaining that to them, then they're just like, oh, that's different. Cool. Whatever. And they just don't care because, you know, they're standing right in front of you. So if they start doing something, then I usually have, you know, one other person in the room that knows me well enough that if somebody starts talking bad about me or, if somebody tries to fight me or do anything, there's one other person in the room that understands my situation and will calm down whatever is happening inside the other person. And I have never run into a situation where somebody has told me specifically anything negative about me. Uh, They have told me that they don't understand it and that they cannot grasp it and that to me, they I will always be something else, but I just don't have a problem with that because for me, I understand the culture that they've grown up with. They just cannot understand it and they cannot wrap their head around it. And so they might not see me as a man, but they still see me as a person, you know? Right. So uh, it is hard to grapple with feelings like that when you think somebody is cool and you want to talk to them and uh, then you find out that they're a little bit different and now you're just confused. And so when you say something like that to somebody who doesn't know or has never encountered that, you have to be patient and you have to understand where they've come from. And I don't know where anybody who I come up and talk to has come from. I don't know if their parents were gay. I don't know if maybe they're gay. I don't know if they were grown in a super Christian community. I don't know what they've been raised with. I don't know what they're like. So you just have to walk in confidently with your head up, knowing that it can go any which way. And as long as you're just kind of laid back about it and you don't get aggressive and you don't get up in arms, then they won't either. Because if I'm acting calm, even if they say something negative to me, I can just say, like, hey, man, that's not really cool. And they're just like, oh, okay. Like, they're not going to get any sort of 
anger if I'm not angry. They say something that I don't agree with. You just say like, hey man, that's not cool. And just stay calm. Because the more up and up and up you go, they go too. And so staying calm and keeping your cool is really the best way to talk to somebody new and make new friends with people. So I really do believe in if you think somebody is cool enough, just walk up to them and start talking. Because who knows where they came from? Who knows what they have done? Who knows what their life is like? But if you're trying to learn more about them, you have to talk to them. So there's nothing wrong with being single. I don't see any mm-hmm. fault. Like, there, it really isn't. I just, I love being in love. Even though I know it's going to hurt and it's going to make me feel bad at some point, it is an experience of my life that I would never take back. That's such a nice, like, outlook that you have. Like, it's so nice falling in love and the experience is going to hurt in the end, but it's about having that experience, that human connection. That's really nice. So, um, are you uh, taking any, like, are you taking, like, any uh, testosterone? Uh, I am taking testosterone. I just started my medical transition Uh, Last week, I have been trying to do it for years now, but of course, until I was 18, I was, uh, my mother wouldn't sign off on things. She's very supportive. She's very accepting, but she did not want to make that decision. And I understand that. Of course, I was frustrated with it because I wanted it when I was 16, but I had to wait two years. But in the grand scheme of things, two years is not a lot of time. Uh, to me, it was one of those things where I wanted to get on it as early as possible because it is a second puberty. So I was already still going through puberty when I was 15, 16, you know, ninth, 10th grade. So I wanted to start then so I could just have my second puberty as I was having my first one and, or finishing my first one at least. And so my mom didn't agree with that and she didn't want to make that decision for me but that's you know when I started going to my doctor to get my testosterone and get my blood work she came with me she was accepting and loving and she talked to the doctor and she was ready to fight someone if somebody said something nobody did but she was ready for it Uh, so she's a very loving person she's very supportive of who I am and what I want to do Um, she actually, uh, we talk a lot about transitioning medically because she is an Eastern medicine doctor and my father was actually a surgeon who specialized in chest surgeries. He was a plastic surgeon and he did everything. He did hand surgery. He was a minister. He did a whole bunch of things, but he specialized in female chest surgeries. And so, uh, talking to my mom about top surgery is something that he was practicing 20 years ago and now we've advanced a lot more but um back to testosterone i just started it very recently so my voice is very high in this and uh, i'm gonna have a lot of you know voice insecurity about it later on in life but that's later on in life you just accept what you have now and learn to love it you know so i I am planning top surgery, but I'm not sure when I will have the money for that. 
I'm hoping to get it when I'm about 20, so that'll be two years. I am already comfortable enough in my body that I have lessened my binding dramatically to the point where I only bind when I swim in public, basically. Um, but it, I've also been blessed with a small chest. So, you know, people without that have to bind and they have to do a lot of stuff. And when I was in high school, I binded for a dangerous amount of time due to school hours. Uh, I could not take my binder off. I didn't have a break. I could not do anything less than uh, 10 hours a day. And you're only supposed to bind for eight hours a day. So I was being very flippant and dangerous with it. And I should not have been doing that. But I also knew my limits. I knew when I shouldn't be binding at school. I might have been more insecure that day, but I knew that it was what was right for my body. So you have to know, especially when you do things that can injure you, what is right for your body. So binding for 10 hours a day, no, it wasn't good. No, it wasn't great. I shouldn't have done it, but it was all I could do at the time. So now that I'm a bit more mature and I'm a bit more grown and I've become a lot more comfortable with my body, I just kind of wear a sports bra and who cares if they see my boobs? Who cares? I mean, the titty's real, and we all have it. It's just, who's got more of it? So, a binder is basically an elastic material with uh, a flattener on the front, basically. And it's kind of like a sports bra, but instead of a cup, it's flat. And so, when you bind safely, you have to do this thing I like to call the boob scoop. So, since it flattens your chest... You have to go in through the top and then like scoop your boob up so it sits forward instead of sideways because sitting sideways can deform your breast and make it harder for you to get top surgery. So especially since I binded an unsafe amount of hours, I had to set my chest up how it had to be. And I had to adjust a little bit throughout the day and, you know, things like that. But binding overall is just um, do not use ace bandages. Do not use duct tape. It is not flexible. You will bruise or break your ribs. Uh, you can hurt your skin. You can deform tissues that you don't want to deform. And so binding safely is something that is important for the community to know about. So using a binder is basically just a spandex material that flattens your chest and makes it hard to breathe because you are flattening your chest and it makes it, uh, your breaths are shallow. So even now that I'm not binding, I still take shallow breaths because I'm so used to binding. And it's one of those things that your body just becomes acclimated to, to the point where even when you stop, it still happens. So if you stop binding and you don't do it as often, then you start realizing how shallow your breaths are and you either have to start uh, basically doing breathing exercises to get back to normal or you have to be okay with a shallow breathing pattern. And for me, I've just become okay with it. Wow. Like it's, it's such an extensive process, like trying to transition, but you know, it's, it's all worth it because you're showing everyone who you, who you feel like you are inside and you want to be seen as that. So I really, I like that. It's like, you know, 
even though you like felt like you were not who you looked at looks like on the outside to everyone that like as you get older you have the opportunity and like in this time it's easier a little bit more easier to come out than before and like you still have like you have your support system and everyone with you so that's really nice that you haven't like had anyone like beat you up or try to like kill you or like have a hate crime against you you know yeah i I mean i've had a death threat once or twice but they were on instagram and they were kids who didn't know me and they they were kids i mean i was you know 17 and they were like 14 and they were saying stuff i know where you live and come see you and you know what i'd do i'd text them and i'd say i don't think that is a good idea my stepfather is a federal agent and if you try to do anything to me you will be more hurt in the process than i ever will be and so they would then back off and stop talking to me and would block me on Instagram because they didn't want me to find them again. Because now, instead of them trying to scare me, I scared them uh, because I have a lot of connections to a lot of people in both high and low places, which means that if somebody ever tried to threaten me, then I have somebody to do something about that. Vic for being my guest on my podcast thank you so much for your support and yeah so now we're going to sign off from student talk and thank you listeners for tuning in